0: Wow, what a great story. I hope you're uh, encouraged by that as you watch how God has used uh, uh, you uh, in transitions. Now, we're haven't met. We're going we're gonna to get into the sermon in just a minute, so if you're really anxious to get into it, turn to Exodus uh, chapter 4 we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, but before we do that, I should have mentioned this earlier in the service, but you'll notice the sound system looks a little different this morning. So I did not order this. Just so you know, like you may think, oh, the transitional pastor is going, is out of control. Uh, So the sound system that belongs in this building is not here this morning because it's broken. needs to be fixed. I didn't break it. Trust me. You know, don't blame me for breaking the sound system. I didn't do that. So we've got this this, uh, not permanent system. So if you're wondering, like the sound feels a little different in here this morning, it's okay. And online, you're not going to need to worry about that. It's going to sound exactly the same for you. So I just wanted to to make you aware of that. It's just, uh, it's great to be together this morning, uh, to celebrate together, to hear stories of God's uh, faithfulness. And we want to just dive into this text this morning. So it's Exodus chapter 4. We're talking about signposts. Now do you find in your life that signs are pretty important? Right, you know, you you, kind of need to know where you're going, so you'll like, what does the sign look like? Well, I have a sign story, and the story is this. We were driving from BC to Saskatchewan. So our our oldest daughter was interested in veterinary medicine, and I think there's only two universities in all of Canada that provide training in veterinary medicine, and one of them is here in Saskatoon. So we were driving through, we were pulling an RV. We were pulling a fifth wheel, and we were driving through. And we entered uh, through Lloydminster, and we entered into Saskatchewan. And there was a sign there that I didn't see. Now, how do I know that the sign was there? Well, because as we were driving between Saskatoon and Regina after we'd been here, I passed a police vehicle that was pull, had somebody else pulled over, and his lights were on. And you all know what you're supposed to do, right? When you see a police vehicle and the lights are on, you're supposed to slow down, take the other, like if it's in a four-lane highway, pull over, take the other lane, all of that. So I hadn't seen the sign, and in B.C. that was not a thing at the time. This would have been, I thought about it, it's 20 years ago. So I did not see the. I didn't see the sign when we entered. I didn't see any of those signs. Didn't kind of hit me. So I, I drove by this police officer with his lights on. Just like I just drove by. Like just kept going. And next thing you know, I'm the one being pulled over by the police officer. And and I remember him coming to the like, why didn't you slow down? It's like I didn't know I was supposed to. And he said, didn't you see the sign? And he said, I said, no, I didn't. And uh, because I didn't see the sign, I paid for it. So you want to make sure that you see the signs and pay attention to signs. That's just one example. I'm sure you could all tell me stories all day about how you missed a sign and where it led you down the road. So in the context of the sign story and the context of the calling of Moses going to Egypt for the nation to be released, in this text we'll see that Moses begins by asking questions of God. And God provides guidance through signs that show his authority and power so let's read together exodus chapter four starting at verse one to verse 17 moses answered what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the lord did not appear to you then the lord said to me what is that in your hand a staff he replied the lord said throw it on the ground Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous, and it had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you have taken from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you and speak I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put uh, put words in his mouth and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and if, as if you were God to him, but take this staff in your hands so you can perform the signs with it. Let's pray. Father, as we pause this morning, and we, we look at this particular text, we invite you to teach us this morning. Thank you that you have provided your Holy Spirit to be the teacher Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth would be used by you to say the words that we need to hear this morning, for we pray this in your name, Jesus, amen. What I want you to notice this morning and what we're going to look at is that the authority and power of God is revealed through signs. It's not the only way, but it is the way that we see in this particular text. What was the purpose of the signs that God gave? Simply this, he wanted to show Moses that he had the power to do these things and that he was giving this power to Moses to point people, both Egyptians and Israelis, to him. God uses people to do his calling and empowers them. I want you to think about that this morning throughout this whole thing. God uses people to do his calling and empowers them. So if you're here this morning, God wants to use you in a good way. I I just love the story that Marianne shared with us of how many of you got involved. Some of you, it was maybe just writing a check, giving some money. Some of you, it was actually being on the team. Meeting new people coming to the country, finding places for them to live, providing for them relationship and connection. God uses people and empowers them. God's calling on Moses' life that we looked at last week is now being given the authority and power to do what God had asked of Moses. When God calls, he also provides what we need. I think of Laverne, who's going to Panama, and God has provided for her to go. The mission agency won't send her unless her funding is in place, and I, you need to know that her funding is in place, and it is because you have participated with her. God uses people, and he provides. So what did God provide for Moses to be able to go and do his work? Let me give you three signposts this morning. First of all, in verses 1 to 5, we see he just simply uses a simple article, just something that everybody would have. Uh, If you are a driver here this morning, if if I were to say, what do you have? You say, well, I have my car keys, I have my fob, whatever, I have have that. Everybody who's a driver carries that around, whatever it would be, be. So this was just something really straightforward, a simple article. It was his staff. He was a shepherd. And every shepherd, every shepherd would have a staff that they would carry with them. And it would be very personalized. It was a normal instrument for him to have in hand. And God simply says to him, take this normal thing that you have and throw it on the ground. And he says, well, I've dropped it numerous times. Nothing's happened. So he throws it on the ground and all of a sudden it becomes a snake. Don't you think his response was amazing? Would that be your response? It's a snake. Would you like, oh, cool, or would you run away from it? Yeah, I'd be the one running. Uh, I've been to Thailand a few times, and the snakes there are like this big around and, and 30 feet long. It's like I wouldn't ever want to meet a snake like that, ever, in any location, never mind a, a small one. So it, it's a, it turns into a snake. He runs away from it. What does God say? Okay, now go to the snake. So you realize, I mean, walk yourself through this. There's a snake, you've run away, now it's like it's moving around. I don't know, it's not just laying there, it's a snake, it's moving. And he says, go and grab it by the tail. Is that the right place to grab a snake? That is not the business end. You grab a snake by the tail, it'll just whip around and the business end will be in your face. Like, it's counterintuitive. So if if you work with snakes, you want to grab it by the head. And he said, no, no, don't grab it by the head. Grab it by the tail. Like a a work of faith to grab it by the tail. And he grabs it by the tail and it turns back into a staff. Now, God's really clear about why is this happening. He says, so that people will believe Moses has seen God. I want to pause right here because it's important for us to understand that when God uses signs, why does he do it? Sometimes, you know, we, we can stop and go, well, I'm, I'm just such a good person that God gives me signs. It's like, actually, God gives us signs and wonders, the New Testament talks about, so that people will be pointed to the gospel and to Jesus. That's why he gives us signs. Not so that we'll feel good, but to sh- point us to him. God uses the things in our life to show us his power and authority. He uses them for his purposes. John writes a similar thought in his letter to the church in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3, where he says to the church, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. You notice, let's just pause. What we have seen and heard, our experiences are what we want to tell you about. And then he goes on to say, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. God gives this sign to, to John to say, we, we want you to take it and use it to share your experiences with the church. To share your experiences with other people. God does works in our lives. The transformation in Jesus Christ. He does that work in us. Why? So that we're transformed, absolutely. So that our life is changed, absolutely. But also so that we can share that with others. That's the calling of the gospel. It was John's experiences with Jesus that enabled him to fulfill the calling that God had asked him to do. So, signpost one. Signpost number two. He puts his hand inside his cloak and comes out and it's leprous. Leprosy was a disease that was incurable. But it was also socially devastating. Because you were sent away from the community. You could not be with your family. You were were ostracized. Those who also had leprosy could join together, but you were not able to be in your home any longer. To see that Moses, as he pulled his hand out, to see that he had leprosy would have been a death knell. He would have looked at this and gone, I can't do anything. I can't go home. I can't be with my wife. I can't see my children. I have to go and live away from the rest of society. So we read these stories and just think, oh, yeah, whatever. It's like, no, 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 this is significant. He doesn't know if this leprosy is going away. And God says, put it back inside your cloak. comes out. Imagine the emotional up and down of the, of the oh my goodness, my life is over. And then pulling it out, it being completely healed, going, thank you, God, this is amazing. This is beautiful. That's what was taking place. God healed him instantly. Why? To emphasize that God has authority and power over disease. People will see this action and understand the implications of the disease. So in a crowd, as Moses would be saying, let me show you this sign that God has given me to show you, he would have put his hand in his cloak, pulled it out, they would have all gone, (gasps) and backed away. And then he would have put his hand in and come out. The authority of God, the power of God over disease. Paul also brings this thought of how God uses difficult circumstances in our lives to honor Him and to show His grace and mercy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-5, to 5, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ we also so also our comfort abounds through Christ what paul is talking about is when we go through troubles and God is there for us we can now say this is something we can use moving forward And use it as God reaching out and touching other people's lives. For Brenda and I, it has really been about her MS. She has multiple sclerosis. You wouldn't know it. She does walk with a cane. That kind of gives it away. But there have been times where she's lost sight in an eye, like blind. There's been times where she's had it more difficult to walk, where she's had a lot of pain. And so as we've walked this journey, it's also given us opportunities to share with people. Because people will say to Brenda, why do you have a cane? And she will be able to say this, how do you cope with this? And that's when we can say, you know what? God is with us. God is present. God is giving us grace to face every single day, even with unknowns. We face every single day. And God uses those things in all of us. To be able to share with others around us. Signpost number three. God uses a very powerful item. The final sign was to show the power of God over the power of the God of the Nile. The God of the Nile for an Egyptian was the most powerful God. This was their river. This was what gave them all life. And so in taking water out of the Nile River, dumping it on the ground, and it turning into blood would make that, that Nile River useless, it Was showing that God has power over all other gods. The psalmist, and in the Old Testament, they describe God in this way. In Psalm 95, 3, it says, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. It's, a dis, it's just a, dis, a, a claim of who God is. In First Chronicles sixteen twenty five, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise; he is to be feared above all gods. God is showing Himself, His authority, His power. God is showing His faithfulness. Finally, we get to some of the funnest parts of this text, which I wasn't sure we would get to this morning. But we see God's patience and authority in verses 10 to 12. You notice the first thing, um, you know, um, Moses says uh, is, is, is so in, interesting. I'm not sure what other versions say. They may say something more direct. But pardon is kind of like, uh, pardon me, uh, God, uh, pardon me. You know, I'm really not very good at this. I, I just, I don't speak well. We don't know what it was, because as you read the rest of the... You keep reading through Exodus, like, he seems to be pretty good about speaking. So, you know, you wonders, like, is this a false humility? What are, we, what are we talking about here? So he's just like, you know, I'm not sure I'm the right guy for this. He's resistant at best. He, I mean, he saw the power of God through the staff, through his hand, through the leprosy, through the description of what could happen. He, he, he felt and saw the power of God. And yet, he was saying, I don't know. I I, I don't really think I should do it. Do you ever find yourself in that place where you resist God? Where you say, you know, that's really not my thing. I really don't think you're saying that to me, whatever it might be. As a young man, that was, that was me. I, I'll be honest with you. This morning, I, I did not want to be a pastor. I had a calling on my life very early, at the age of eight. And by the time I hit the age of 19, I had like, no, nah, I don't want to be that. There's no way. Uh, I'm not interested. I, I thought of lots of other things I wanted to be, and lots of things I could do. And I started to pursue all of those things, and God wouldn't let me go. He said, No, this is what you need to do. Sometimes that's where we are. We resist the call. I want you to notice in this text that God is very patient. He doesn't just say, Oh, forget it, I'll go find somebody else. So God is also patient with us. When He calls us, when He gives us the tools that we need to do the calling, and then when we resist, he's still reaching out to us and calling us. He's patient with us. Peter speaks of this in serving. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient. He wants us to come to him. Lastly, God's patience is also seen in his provision. Verses 13 to 17. You know, Moses uses another excuse. You'd think that after one, he would get the message. But it's like, you know, God, pardon me. You know, this this really isn't me. And then he does use the language piece. And he continues to give these excuses. And really, he's arguing with God. Have you ever argued with God? I have. I've argued. I don't like this. Why can't this change? Why can't this move in this direction? I want it to go like this. And God's saying, no, or wait, or I have a different way. It tells us here that God actually gets angry with Moses. I don't know what changed, maybe his tone of voice. It doesn't say he got angry with him and struck him dead. So God doesn't get angry and respond in that way every time but he does it occasionally in this situation he just says you know what here listen here's the solution so God's patient but he also provides he said by the way your brother Aaron is already coming you see God already knew I I think he knew what Moses was going to say and he wanted Moses and Aaron to reconnect so he says I have already provided a way forward speak to Aaron you're going to be like God to him so you're going to give me my words are coming to you then you're going to share those words with Aaron, and Aaron will speak for for you on behalf of the people. What does God do when we we respond to him by saying yes? What does God do? 1 Peter 4.11. Here's the promises. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves They should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God's purposes for us in his calling, in giving us the signs, is so that we will glorify him. We will glorify him. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. I want us just to stop and and I I really believe this is important because the scripture is living and active, so I want it to be living and active this morning. And so I'm going to ask some questions of myself, of you, just as we think about this text. Is like how is it living and active among us? So I would say this: ask yourself this morning simply some things like what is in your hand that God wants to use to help you and others know his power and authority. So in your hand might be your life experience. It might be something God has given you to do. In our lives, one of those things was as simple as God provided us a home for our family that was I I felt like it was an amazing blessing. It was a great place to host people. It it had enough rooms for our kids. It was just, to me, it all worked out. Then when our kids grew up, I said to, Brenda and I talked about this. We said, I'm not, I said to, we we talked together, and said, we're not going to allow this home, something that's in our hands, just to be us banging around. Now, this is us, so don't, please don't hear anything. If you, Live in a nice house and a big house. Don't hear me condemning anybody. I'm just giving you our story. We processed this and said, what does that mean for us? And we looked at where our life was and said, you know what? We can can help people that are coming out of Teen Challenge who need that next step. And they would come and live with us. And that's what we did for a number of years. Not, Not forever, but for a number of years. And let me tell you, it was extremely challenging. There were times where, uh, unfortunately, we had to call the police. And we had to coach and counsel and walk with people and through their brokenness. But it was what God had said, what's in your hand to do? This was it for us. What is it for you? It starts with small things. I gave you a big thing. I should have started with a small thing. But it can just be, it can be a small thing. Faithful in the small things of this world. So where are you, and where is it that God would want you to, maybe even a small thing would be fly your flag that you're a follower of Jesus. You're a follower just to fly your flag. Maybe at school, might be at work, might be in your neighborhood, with your friends, with the sports you play. What's in your hand? So as we think about responding this morning, can you think of what's in my hand, Lord? What is it that you might be asking me to do? Just open our hands and say, God, what is it? Secondly, what comfort have you received from God? How could you use that to encourage someone else? So those of us who have lived longer have more history and we've seen God work in our lives. It's like, how do we take that and and use it for, I just think this morning we happened to stop off. Well, we didn't, we planned to go to Broadway. And so we were at the gathering for about a half an hour. And it was, that was awesome. I got to hold a baby. Like, that was just so much fun to hold this little guy and talk and to talk to these young families and it's like, we're not getting any sleep. I'm tired. <laughs> like, is this going to be the rest of my life? And you know what? As old people, we can say, we've been there. We feel your pain. We want you to know most likely, it's not going to last forever. <laughs> it might, but most likely, it's not going to last forever from our experience. And so we can walk together with folks. So what is it that God is calling you to do in that regard? Finally, as we got to the last part of that text, is where might you be, and I use this word, and maybe it's a bit strong, revolting or resisting God? God. Where is it that you might just be sitting here this morning and go like, I don't want to do anything. I don't actually want to listen to God's voice. Maybe he's been nudging you. Maybe he's been encouraging you. And you're just going, no, I don't want to go there. Like Moses, right? Pardon me, God. You know, can you send somebody else? Where is it that God is encouraging you to step into? To see his signs to know that whatever God invites you to step into, he will also provide for you. you don't just, he doesn't just say, step into something and I'm going to leave you hanging. He says, you take that step of faith and I am for you and I am with you. I will provide whatever you need. But we need to take that first step of faith. Yes, God, I believe you. So where is it this morning? As we respond, we're going to respond with some songs, but we're also, I want to invite you, if God is nudging you this morning, would you respond by coming to forward just for prayer? Just maybe you need a prayer, a word of encouragement. And so as we sing these songs, we're going to invite you for prayer. We do that. I'm going to do that purposefully this morning because some of you, when the service is over, you need to go and get your kids. So if your children are out, this is a time we're going to have two more songs. If you feel like, no, I need to come for prayer this morning and you have children, we're going to do like 10 more minutes and you could come forward for prayer. So as we sing, I invite you to respond to God. Maybe it's in your seat. Maybe it's with a neighbor who's near you. Or maybe you could just come forward for prayer. The prayer team's going to be here. I'm going to invite them to come right now and just to stand in front. And just if you need somebody to pray with you, just would you come and pray?